If our children aren't to flower, we need to sow them well and nurture them, cultivate them in rich and wholesome soil, clothe them in fine and decent opinions and mores, and direct them toward the highest light to grow straight and tall, that they may take our place as we took that of those who planted us and made way for us, so that in time they too may make way and plant. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 241, The Bible versus Eternal Youth. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Behold, you are young again forever. So the priests intoned over a mummified body in ancient Egypt, expressing thereby their entire approach to immortality. Thus, an article in the BBC reports, and warning in advance for the somewhat gruesome depiction of mummification. Quote, Certainly in Egypt, mummification was very much a growth industry, with levels of service depending on cost. In the deluxe version, the brain was generally extracted down the nose and the entrails removed before the hollow body was dried out with salts. The dried skin was then treated with complex blends of oils and resins, whose precise nature is now being studied using the latest analytical techniques. With hairdressers and beauticians called in to restore a groomed, lifelike appearance, the finished body was then wrapped in many meters of linen. One estate manager called Wa, circa 2000 BC, had been wrapped in an amazing 375 square meters of material, although this could often be recycled household linen as well as that purpose-made for mummification. Covered in a range of protective amulets and placed in its coffin, elaborate funeral ceremonies designed to reactivate the soul within the mummy were accompanied by the words, You will live again forever. Behold, you are young again forever. Before the mummy was buried with generous supplies of food, drink, and everything the soul of the deceased would need for a comfortable afterlife. The Egyptians buried their dead in the great expanses of desert away from the cultivation on the banks of the River Nile. But whereas the wealthy were artificially mummified and placed in specially built tombs, the majority were simply buried in hollows in the sand. Yet here, they too were mummified by natural means as corrosive body fluids drained away into the same hot, dry sand, which desiccated and preserved their skin, hair, and nails. Accidentally uncovering such bodies must have had a profound effect upon those able to recognize individuals who had died sometimes years before, quite literally witnessing eternal life in action. End quote. These details, in the end, provide a metaphor for the might of ancient Egypt, an empire now gone, bodies preserved indefinitely, an Egyptian embodiment of immortality, but in reality, the very quintessence of finitude. This lecture is being released on Passover, and so it only seems right that we ponder the book of Proverbs in light of the Exodus, and in light of one remarkable rabbinic text about one verse in Proverbs. Chapter 16 of our biblical book, in its 31st verse, tells us, Ateret tiferet seva, bederach tzedakah timatzeh, which means the gray head is a crown of glory if it is found in the path of righteousness. Aterat tiferet seva, in other words, tells us that the aged head is a crown of glory. A righteous individual who achieves old age is for the Bible an object of reverence and admiration. And the very same verse highlights how different the approach of the Bible toward age, mortality, and immortality is from that of Egypt of old. For Judaism, it is not the young, the cherubic, who are our truest role models. In a society founded on transmission, the appearance of age becomes a badge of honor. It is not youth that is revered, but rather our elders. For such a culture, the bodily signs of aging, including gray hair, 
is truly, as Proverbs tells us, a crown of glory. Indeed, the Midrash in a wonderful tale hints that the manifestations of age are the very substance from which we weave the moral fabric of society. And this Midrash is built around a verse in Proverbs. Here is the text, and I cite from the English translation of Bialik's collection of Talmudic stories. Quote, Until Abraham there was no old age, so that one who wished to speak with Abraham might mistakenly find himself speaking to Isaac, or one who wished to speak with Isaac might mistakenly find himself speaking to Abraham. But when Abraham came, he pleaded for old age, saying, Master of the universe, you must make a visible distinction between father and son, between a youth and an old man, so that the old man may be honored by the youth. God replied, As you live, I shall begin with you. So Abraham went off past the night and arose in the morning. When he arose, he saw that the hair of his head and his beard had turned white. End quote. And then the Midrash continues by telling us that Abraham complained to God, saying, I no longer look youthful and attractive. And God responded by citing the verse from Proverbs that the aged head is a crown of glory. In other words, in this Midrashic tale, it is the verse in Proverbs that introduces not only the Jewish approach to age, but the invention of aging itself. And we do not need to take this Midrashic story fully literally in order to understand its profound symbolism. Egypt sought to be young forever, but Abraham begged for old age because he said, old age will allow distinction between generations and allow the younger to respect the older. And that, in turn, would allow for the achieving of the central goal of the Abrahamic vision, transmission from the older generation to the younger. What the Midrash is telling us is that a culture of eternal youthfulness, a worship of youth as in Egypt, is counter to a culture of transmission. Or, as Leon Cass put it, quote, the desire to prolong youthfulness is not only a childish desire to eat one's life and keep it, it is also an expression of a childish and narcissistic wish incompatible with devotion to posterity. It seeks an endless present isolated from anything truly eternal and severed from any true continuity with past and future. It is in principle hostile to children because children, those who come after, are those who will take one's place. They are life's answer to mortality and their presence in one's house is a constant reminder that one no longer belongs to the frontier generation. One cannot pursue agelessness for oneself and remain faithful to the spirit and meaning of perpetuation, end quote. So Cass writes, and it is in this spirit that we can appreciate how Proverbs in chapter 10 gives us another essential aspect of covenantal culture, which is memory. Verse 7, the memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. The memory of the righteous is blessed, or in Hebrew, zecher tzadik livracha, This phrase gives traditional Judaism the way in which we speak of those that passed away. We tend to say, Zichrono Livracha, his memory is a blessing, or in the aspirational form, Yehi Zichro Baruch, may his memory be a blessing. Yehi Zichra Baruch, may her memory be a blessing. For a tzaddik, someone who embodied true spiritual excellence, we might utilize the actual phrase in Proverbs, Zecher Tzaddik Livracha. The memory of this tzaddik is for a blessing. The verse thus highlights that for a culture of transmission, it is not immortality or youthfulness that we revere, but rather reverent memory of those who have come before. Or as Cass further wrote, quote, In perpetuation, we send forth not just the seed of our bodies, but also the bearer of our hopes, our truths, and those of our tradition. If our children are to flower, we need to sow them well and nurture them. 
cultivate them in rich and wholesome soil, clothe them in fine and decent opinions and mores, and direct them toward the highest light to grow straight and tall, that they may take our place as we took that of those who planted us and made way for us, so that in time they too may make way and plant. End quote. We are now able to understand, as I've emphasized in my writing and commentary and in my Tikva lectures on the Haggadah, how the Israelites' leaving of Egypt also involved a putting aside of Egypt's worldview, or, as one might put it, as important as taking the Israelites out of Egypt was taking Egypt out of the Israelites. In our Haggadah, we are introduced to a Seder in Bnei Brak, featuring the rabbis of the Mishnah, including a Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, who informs his colleagues of a scriptural source obligating us to remember the Exodus, not only the night of Passover, but every evening. He had only just heard the source for this, he reflects. And he says, I am akin to one who is 70 years old. It is ostensibly a strange phrase. I am akin to one who is 70. Is he 70 or is he not? According to the Talmud, Rabbi Eliezer was actually at this point a young man who, having attained the prestigious position of Nasi, head of the academy, needed the appearance of gravitas and of old age. For in the Judaic environment that is the opposite of Egypt, it is Abrahamic aging that is considered worthy of honor. Thus, Rabbi Elazar's wife, the Talmud tells us, noted this flaw in her husband's resume. She said to him, How can you become the Nasi, the head of the academy? You have no gray hair. And that is why the Talmud further tells us, That evening, 18 rows in his beard turned white. And thus, a relatively young man such as Rabbi Elazar could say, I am akin to 70. And now I have just learned why one must remember the Exodus every evening of one's life. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah's aspiration to the appearance of old age is obviously paralleled in our original Abrahamic Midrashic tale. And it's important in this vein to note the phrase that the Bible chooses in ordering us to revere our elders. It is Leviticus that tells us, Rise before the aged and glorify the face of an elder. It is, as I've argued in the past, the face of the elderly that Judaism reveres as a crown of glory. This commandment must have sounded so striking when it was first given to the Israelites, who had left youth-obsessed Egypt. To the Israelites, the message was clear. Our ways are not those of Egypt. We revere not youthfulness, but rather experience and wisdom. We cannot have faith in the future if we lack reverence for the past, for those who came before us. And thus, what we cited from Cass many episodes ago in our discussion of timelessness, agelessness, and Groundhog Day should be cited here too. Quote, Whether we look to hieroglyphics, Cass wrote, in which the mobile world is represented in static ideograms, or to Egyptian worship of the eternally circling, never-changing heavenly bodies, or to the defying of death through mummification, wherever one looks, we see in Egypt the rejection of change and the denial of death. End quote. Judaism with Abraham begins with the rejection of this concept. The teaching of traditional Judaism embraces the doctrine of the soul's immortality and of the ultimate resurrection of the dead, but Judaism has also emphasized that the immortality of generations lies in the transmission from one generation to the next. Understood this way, Rabbi Elazar's statement linking his newfound old age to the commandment to remember the Exodus every evening is perhaps a reflection on how recognition of our mortality and of 
the centrality of transmission is linked to the Jewish understanding of what the Exodus was about and what freedom truly is. Only if we remember every day our cultural and philosophical liberation from Egypt will we be able to understand that we, unlike Egypt, create a culture that is biblical. Only if we, like Rabbi Elazar, revere the signs of old age will we focus on the Exodus every day and every evening of our lives, internalizing our liberation from Egypt and its world. Only if we free ourselves from Egypt's culture and its denial of change and its worship of youthfulness can we ensure our perpetuation. Only through a culture of transmission can the Jewish people experience a liberation from the usual finitude of history, embodying a people that defeats death, existing, extending, as we say at the Seder, Bechol Dor Vador, through every generation. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.